Good morning. Thank you guys for joining us. Today we are going to be talking about student engagement during distance learning. The agenda for today for the student engagement tools, we're going to be going over Jamboard, Flipgrid, journaling and book creation, incorporating art, so different art portfolios, along with taking your students on virtual field trips. So first, when we talk about student engagement, why would we want to do this? What is kind of student engagement? So this is good because it provides students with choice to kind of amplify their learning and to amplify their learning outcomes. It allows them to be creative in the learning process. Like we just talked about, we're going to be going over a few resources, and this can be something that you use one for a lesson, or maybe you give students that choice to be creative and you give them kind of the ownership of their learning and you allow them to kind of have choice and choose how they're going to show their learning to you, which then is going to, once they have that choice, it's going to up the engagement, it's going to improve that. So it's kind of why we're going over this and some positive things from student engagement, giving them ways to different ways to show their learning, giving them choice, which then they're going to take ownership and that engagement is going to go up. And so the first thing we wanted to touch on was Jamboard. Jamboard is known as Google's whiteboard and you can incorporate it in so many different ways into your lesson. And it's so great with student engagement, just because there's so many different ways that the students can show their learning. They can use a sticky note. They can write in different colors and pens. They could put images and they could even put different backgrounds. You as the teacher can also put different backgrounds and images and shapes just to have a template that the students can fill out. Jamboards can be filled in individually or collaborative as a whole class or even just different groups. And Jamboard's really nice because it's a Google product. It works really well with all the other Google products and you can incorporate in it into Google Classroom. Continuing on Jamboard, a nice thing that you can do when you are using Jamboard is you can insert an image into the background, just like you kind of would with like a Google slide. And this is nice because when you insert it as a background, then students aren't able to kind of mess with that image or mess with that graphic organizer or whatever. And then they can just show their learning on top of it. So for example, let's say we're doing a Venn diagram that's kind of shown in the example here. I can take that image and I can make it the background and I can insert the image as the background. So then when my students get that Jamboard template, they see the Venn diagram, they can't move it around, they can't alter it, they can't delete it, they can't do any of that stuff, but they can show their learning on top of it. If I am wanting them to solve a math problem, I can go into our math curriculum, I can take a screenshot of some math problems that we're working on, insert them as the background, and then they show their work on top of it. They can't alter the problem, they can't delete it, they can't mess with it. Maybe I am going through and we're pulling key details from text. I can take a screenshot of my text, put that image as the background, and then with their drawing tool and their highlighting tool, they're underlining keywords, they're circling key concepts, they're circling vocabulary words, whatever, on top of that image. So you can add more complexity to it, but then it's nice because it's being able to allow them to kind of show their learning that way as well. 
We also have a video that we made that will take you step-by-step step through how to use Jamboard, how to open it, how to put an image in the background, how to upload an image from just Google itself. So you don't even have to create your own image as a background. You can use the backgrounds that Jamboard already has provided, like different graph paper or like quadrants, or you can just pull something from Google Images and apply it as your background. So we take you through the different step-by-steps on how to use it, how to share it, and how to also share it in your classroom. All right, the next thing that we wanna talk about is Flipgrid. So if you've never used Flipgrid before, Flipgrid is essentially a video recording kind of platform. And this is great because students can share their knowledge, share their learning through video and through audio. And so you create these grids, which are like your classrooms. And then within those grids, you create topics, which are like assignments. And you can pose questions, you can pose all types of different things, and then they respond to that question with video. They can respond to just you, they can respond to each other. And so it's a nice way to be able to not only get them engaged in answering a question, but you get to see all your students, you get to hear from all your students. It can be, you know, as short as they have 15 seconds to answer the question, or you give them different time parameters. But it's nice because instead of just asking a question, calling on a few kids in class, and then we kind of move on, I can pose that question. And now I get to hear from every single one of my students. So it's, it's a great resource in that sense. Flipgrid is really engaging for the students because it resembles a lot of the tools that they're using outside of school just for fun. So there are different stickers and filters and colors that they can use and incorporate into Flipgrid. They take a selfie for their Flipgrid video, which resembles everything that they're doing with their device or a parent's device right now as well. And the different filters are fun for them, but they don't take away from their learning. So for us as teachers, we're still able to hear them and to see them depending on where they decide to put their stickers. They might put it over their face, which is fine, but we still hear their voice. So we still hear their learning. So the students are having so much fun creating these TikTok-like videos in a safe place all within their lessons. So it goes hand in hand with a math lesson, or maybe they're just reading a paragraph, but I'm getting everyone to read the question instead of calling on just a few kids. So just as Marshall had said before, we're able to listen to every single student in the class instead of just hearing from a few of them. But it's so engaging with all the different tools of the stickers and the filters and the whiteboard functions and the emojis and the inking. And they can even put a little post-it on their screen and type notes to themselves. That way they're reading it like a prompter. And so the post-it doesn't show to people watching it, but for them, their eyes on the camera, but they're really just reading notes. So it looks really professional for a lot of the older kids or even the younger ones that want to create something that's high quality. Like we've been talking about, Flipgrid is a great platform to hear from all your students, get them you know, sharing their knowledge with both video and audio. And they just ultimately, they just have a fun time using it. And, you know, they're having fun doing it. But then we as teachers, we're getting that real time feedback, that real time data from them of what are they understanding? What kind of misconceptions they have, but they're having fun because they're creating videos and they're being able to, you know, kind of have fun doing it. 
And so now we're going to kind of flip things and look at journaling and book creation. So how can journaling and book creation even increase student engagement? Well, it's a great way to just provide them with choice. So instead of having everyone write in a notebook or having everyone create a Google slide, you're giving them so much choice on how to create this Google slide. So it doesn't just have to be a blank 16 by nine Google slide. It can be like a four by four card. It can have different backgrounds on it. It can have different templates. You can create it to be an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and create a little poster. Students are able to even use a program like Adobe Spark and they could create different journaling. And the journaling doesn't have to just be words. They can include images with it. So they can create image journaling if they'd like as well. So just another way to have students create is to have them create a journal or a book. And all of these options just provide students with choice. And when you give the students choice, they automatically become more engaged because they were able to pick out what they wanted to complete. So they have that ownership within it. You still get the writing, you still get the images, you still are able to figure out their understanding with the topic, but they are able to pick what they want. Piggybacking on that, um, we have some slides templates here and these are all um, if you click on them it's going to take you to the template that you can use most of these templates are created by one of my edtech friends ryan o'donnell he has a website and he has a bunch of templates up there and he so graciously has them just available for teachers to use so i want to make sure that i'm giving credit to where credit is due so thank you ryan for making these available so within a google slide you can now transform a slide into a magazine or into a newspaper or into one of those like motivational posters. And they're still doing the writing that you're wanting them to do, but now they're doing it in the form of a magazine or a comic book or whatever they, they choose. It's just more engaging for them because they're having fun. They think, hey, this is cool. I'm making a magazine when in actuality they're doing their, you know, informational writing and they're doing research and they're doing those types of things. But now the product isn't just a five paragraph essay. It's a National Geographic magazine or it's a People magazine or Time magazine. So it's it just makes it a little more engaging for them. We're still getting the results and the content we want as teachers, but then they are getting the choice to how they want to show us that that learning on their end. And all of those templates that Ryan O'Donnell made, they're all made within Google Slides. So something that our students love to do is they love to be creative, but they don't really know how. They don't have the tools to know, okay, well, what? how can I change this? What can it do? And so by even just showing them those Google slide templates that Ryan O'Donnell made of the Harry Potter or the National Geographic or the Time Magazine or the People Magazine or even the DC Comic layout, by showing them what Google Slides can do, they can then take that idea and make something their own with it. So they can, you can show them all of these different examples, be like, hey, use one of these if you want. But then those kids that wanna take it a step further, that can take it a step further, that love to be creative and make their own, they can do that. And they can do that by using the resizing in Google Slides. So this little gift kind of takes you through how you as a teacher or how even the students can take the normal 16 by nine Google Slide and create it to be anything you want. I've even seen a teacher resize a Google slide image to be their entire door and the students designed what the door would look like. And then when you print it, it prints it on the eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper and you're just taping them all together and you have your perfect door 
image done already created by your students just from resizing a Google slide. Now the teacher did have to go up and measure to figure out what size their door was, but it just shows you the different options that you can do. And then the students are that much more engaged. So a student that loves Harry Potter is able to take the Harry Potter newspaper, the Daily Prophet, and kind of make it their own. Students that love science could use that National Geographic magazine and make it their own, or students that just love celebrities and love keeping up on the gossip and what's happening can use the People Timeline magazine. Or if they want to create a meme or an inspirational poster, they can do that. And then you as teachers can give them all of these options that go along with everything they're doing. So with just resizing a Google slide, you're giving your students so many more options in order to make their learning themselves and to take ownership of it, thereby engaging them in the topic. Next, we wanted to touch on Book Creator. So this is a resource that they can use to basically create a digital book. They can create, like I said, they can create their own book. We as teachers can create our own resources or we can let them kind of take the reins and let them create their own. It's nice because it's a combination of text, images, audio, video. They can add all those elements into their digital book. Maybe they're making an interactive story. Maybe they're making their own digital portfolio. Maybe they're doing a research journal. So they're doing research on, you know, as a former fourth grade teacher, maybe they're doing research on missions. So they're doing the research I'm wanting, I'm wanting them to do, but instead of just writing an essay, maybe they're going to make a digital book on it. Maybe they're going to do a poetry book. Maybe they're going to do their science report that way. Maybe I, as a teacher, can create an instructional manual on how to do something. Or maybe I flip it and we're doing a math problem and we are you know, comparing fractions. So I'm going to put it on them and they're going to create their instructional manual on here are the steps that you go through to solve for equivalent fractions or multiply fractions or whatever. So it's you know, they're having to teach somebody how to do something. Maybe they're just doing something as simple as just creating an all about me book. And some, maybe it's something that we do in the beginning of the year. Maybe they're creating a comic book adventure book. Book Creator is just a nice resource to use because it is a little more engaging for them, a little more interactive. Like I said, and like we've kind of been talking about this whole time, we as teachers are still getting the outcomes and the data and the feedback that we need but they're able to kind of do it in a little more untraditional way and a little more engaging way on their end. Art is something that during distance learning, our students are having to experience it in different ways. Yes, we have sent home markers and color pencils and crayons, possibly even watercolors. But I know at the end of the day, even in my classroom, I would be putting the caps back on the markers to make sure they're good for the next day. So they could have dry markers and lose their color pencils or lose their crayons but art isn't just 2D. So when we think about art, we definitely want to include art in distance learning right now, but not just, you know, using markers and color pencils, not just creating uh, different drawings online, but also dances and songs and photos and collages, allowing the students to be creative and allowing them to think of art as not just um, a drawing on canvas but art can be dancing and singing and rapping and hip hop and everything that they're seeing on YouTube now 
is also part of art. You know, students standing up and coming up with their own poems or recording themselves in dance and song to explain a math problem or to recite something in history, to memorize the capitals and the states. Students can use all their imagination and put these things together, but we have to give them these opportunities because it's hard for them to know, well, how can I show you what I can learn? Oh, I can create a song? I didn't know I could. Like, of course, they know that they could write a song if they wanted to, but that idea is not going to come to them unless we provide them with a choice board, for example. And then how can they show us this art portfolio that they've created? How can they show us the songs and the dances, the photos, the drawings that they're coming up with? They could do it in Google Slides. They could do it in Flipgrid. They can show us in so many different ways. So the first thing you want to do when you're talking about engagement with your students is just come up with ideas of how you want them to show their learning. And then you can match up those ideas with the proper tool. So if I want them to do a dance or a song, then I'd say, okay, well, I'll use Flipgrid for it because it'll make things really easy. If I want them to show me different photos or collages or drawings, I could use Google Slides and then show them how they can resize the image. So I would come up with what I want first to engage them and then choose those tools and apps that would go along with it. Next, we're going to talk about virtual field trips. So these are definitely an engaging way to get your students kind of hooked into a concept or a topic of a lesson. A lot of these are either museums or aquariums or different things that are just out there that are free and accessible for us to use. Google Arts and Culture has a ton of different virtual field trips and things that you can take your kids on. Discovery Streaming has virtual field trips. You can do things like go to a zoo or go to an aquarium. So if you're doing a unit on different types of animals, you can find you know, that zoo or aquarium that has that animal exhibit. And then you can, instead of them just looking at pictures or reading text about it, now they get to see a live penguin or get to, they get to see a live shark or a live lion, stuff like that. If they want to, you know, go to like different national parks, Yellowstone or Yosemite, stuff like that. They have all these places now have these virtual field trips or these live cams. So you can just go to Monterey Bay Aquarium. They have live cams. So they have different you know, jellyfish or sharks or whatever, and, and they can just go and they can see things live and in, I won't say live and in person, live and through their, you know, through their screen, but at least they get to see a live thing that they've been reading about. And they've, you guys have been talking about, it brings the lesson to life for them. So it's really the good way to kind of hook them in the beginning, but then it's also a nice way to kind of reinforce the things that you have been covering in a class or in a lesson. And it's amazing to just start the day with, we're looking at these penguins live and what do we, what do you want to know about penguins? What do you want to talk about? And just getting that curiosity started just with asking them, look at this image. What do you want to know? And getting them talking, that is the best thing to do with our kids and getting that curiosity going with the questions and all from an image or all from looking at a live recording or the San Diego Zoo. You can look at the elephants and the giraffe. And so it's really great just to be able to incorporate these little pieces into the lesson just to pull at any kind of engagement and incorporate their creativity and their natural curiosity as children into our lessons. And these are also a great way to get them to, like we've said, talk and 
get them writing. So maybe we're watching the live cam on penguins, but then maybe in class, we're working on descriptive writing. So we're going to watch the live cam for a few minutes. And then now I want you to write about what you see. I want you to describe what you're seeing for someone who isn't here, who isn't watching the live cam. So even though they're having fun, they're engaging, they're watching penguins dive into the water. Now we can connect it to the content that we're doing in class so they can do their descriptive writing. They can do those things. There's ways that you can kind of pull in the content that you're working on in class as well, but then it's also engaging for them as well. And let's be honest, it's engaging for us too. I'd love to just sit there and watch penguins or jellyfish and stuff too. So, all right. That is all that we have for engaging students during distance learning. Thank you so much for joining us and we will help you guys next time.